0: Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Matthew.
1: I'm Trevor. And I'm Dustin.
0: So we have a fun episode planned, but first we want to get into our traditional follow-up. And I believe the first um, item is doubling back on a favorite topic of discussion for us, the <laughs> ever-popular ATAT.
1: So, So um, I was watching... The Empire Strikes Back with my kids, as a good father should. Um, and I was wondering, Trevor, how do AT-ATs get on the planet? Does a Star Destroyer land or go into, like, just hovering over the the surface as they did on, what is it, Jakku in Rogue One? Wait, no. What? What's the name of the pro- That's in...
0: Oh, Holy Planet, whatever that one's called.
1: Yeah. Oh, the way they were hovering right yeah. near the surface on Over the Jetta. Jetta, that's it. Over the temple thing.
2: Um even if they did that, that wouldn't be close enough for an at at to hop out, so to speak. They're pretty nimble <laughs> and strong. I'm I'm sure they are. <laughs> uh, but the answer can kind of be seen in that shot because in the shot of Jedi, you see a lot of ships going up and down carrying cargo and stuff so the way that an atat gets from a star destroyer to the planet surface is a dropship and the dropship just lands them on the ground yeah um there are a couple different kinds of dropships um Anybody who has seen episode two attack of the clones has seen something similar to what happens with an AT-AT because there's a shot in the battle of Geonosis where a drop ship brings down an ATTE. Those are the six legged crawlers that were the predecessors to the AT-ATs. Did I say crawlers? You did. I meant walkers. Six legged walkers uh, that were predecessors to the at um and the dropship there looks a lot like the gunships that the clone troopers are riding in, but instead of having a place for the troops to hang out, it has just kind of uh like claws that hold the walker in and then it swoops down and opens the claws and the walker just kind of goes its merry way. That is very much like what happens with AT ATs. Even though it's not shown on screen in movies, it is shown on screen in the show Star Wars Rebels, where, uh, let me look back at the name of the dropship. A Gazanti-class cruiser is shown dropping 2 ATATs. Two? Um, Wow. Two, yeah. So the Gazanti-class cruiser just kind of, it has two crawlers. Why do I keep saying crawlers? It's a totally different thing. Two walkers kind of slung underneath the belly of the dropship, and it swoops down, and the feet touch ground, and it lets them go.
1: I'm imagining it flying through space, and you know how when people are hanging their legs over a precipice, they kind of tend to wave them back and forth. I'm imagining <laughs> or like a that. roller coaster. Yeah, I'm imagining like the Batman. The ATATs doing the same thing. Yeah, it's just like the Batman roller coaster for ATATs, which best. Roller coaster coupled with best Star Wars vehicle. <laughs> there is also a larger
2: Titan dropship that can hold four ATATs and four ATSTs. Wow. It's big.
1: Sounds like it lives up to its name.
2: I believe it may only be used on Super Star Destroyers. I'm not sure. Like the Executor.
1: Yes, like the Executor. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just my mind blanked. <laughs> oh. um,
2: I still have the wiki pages open in front of me, the Wikipedia pages, and it's saying that the Titan dropship shows up in the episode of Princess on Lothal, which is the episode where I thought the Gazanti class cruiser showed up. And actually, flipping through the article, there's actually a shot wait i thought there was a shot i must have been looking at something else anyway i'm pretty sure that a princess on the actually shows the gazanti class cruiser and that the titan dropship is not in there i could be wrong though anyway a dropship is showing dropping them off whether it's the titan or the gazanti so if you want to see it happen check
1: out season two episode 12 a follow-up question. How do Stormtroopers get out of the ATAT? <laughs> I
2: don't think anybody knows the answer.
1: Oh. Well, that's disappointing.
2: There I briefly researched this just in case you asked that, because I didn't know specifically. We have a, a checklist of follow-up stuff and preliminary mini topics. I saw ATAT deployment listed, and I didn't know if that meant Dustin was going to ask about the ships getting or sorry, the, the walkers getting to the ground or the troops getting out of the walker. So I did a little bit of research on troop deployment and it sounds like the first time anybody even thought about this question was when Kenner was making the toys and Lucasfilm did not have an answer for them.
1: I bet that the walkers have tiny cannons that they shoot <laughs> the uh, stormtroopers out of onto the ground.
2: Yes, the the famed evil can evil troopers.
1: <laughs> yes, they are evil. Yeah,
2: the only reason you don't see that happening in uh, the Battle of Hoth is that the troopers would have hit the the shield, and it wouldn't have been pretty. I don't <laughs> know. They had to bring down the shield first before they could do that. But
0: they'd rebound and just fall on the soft snow.
2: Uh, sure. I guess Star
1: Wars is beachy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're okay man <laughs> charge <laughs> slaughter the rebels
1: they they knocked out the shield anyway so the shield generator yeah um, maximum firepower
0: if you how many how many i troopers, like- how much can the shield disperse and how many stormtroopers would you need to pelt <laughs> it with before it just gives up
1: well if it's your basic your standard star Wars shield generator. No,
2: well, kidding. I mean, my statement is even more ridiculous by the fact that the ATATs actually walked inside of the shield. So they, yeah. they wouldn't have been hitting the shield. Yeah. That's just, just ridiculous. A, Trevor. Just a, I just yeah. wanted to think about the, it was a thought exercise.
1: I think it's funny whenever <laughs> the captain, Oh, V his name starts with a V general veers. G- yeah. General veers. Um, says target the generator with maximum firepower or something like that and the pilots you know increase the power and begin to target the generator but instead they are before they do that they take their time to shoot a fleeing rebel and then shoot the generator it's just funny that they're like no you're not going to get away we're going to shoot you and then shoot the generator
2: do you think that was part of standard imperial procedure or do you think that particular gunner was showing a small streak of rebellion? I think
1: it's probably just standard operating p- procedure. Okay.
0: Well, it was both because standard operating procedure is you shoot twice and he only fires once. Uh-huh. I'm make completely making that up. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably anyway.
1: Yeah, but um, so, okay,
2: never mind. <laughs> to go back to the the question of how the troops get out um various source books and uh, cutaways and stuff have shown different answers. Some of them show um, the walker kneeling and extending a ramp. Um,
0: I'm imagining a giraffe type kneel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> With the front legs just splayed out really wide. Yep. <laughs>
0: bent down like it's going in for a drink of water
2: yeah and then it could just disgorge them from its mouth
0: <laughs> Yes,
2: <laughs> i do not think that that is uh, well it could do an elephant kneel <laughs> um and i think some of them show troops like rappelling down the side but i don't know i feel like it would have to be kind of specialized troops for that to work yeah i don't know if you'd want your average stormtrooper trying to rappel down something that tall
0: Well, no, they can't like hit a target ten feet away. So, like, (laughs) land on the ground. Somehow, they all flew into space trying to repel. I don't know.
2: (laughs) And thus, the saying was born: couldn't hit the planet from the (laughs) ATAT.
1: Next, what is the next one?
0: Um, So this is, our next point also relates to Star Wars vehicles in that um, I came across an article that was talking about how in some peripheral media thing that I don't know the name of, it was disclosing that um, Supreme Leader Skort or whatever.
1: (laughs) Did did you just read it off the Trello thing?
0: No, I actually had my eyes closed. I was trying to think of the name. (laughs) (laughs) Still came up with (laughs) snork or was it. because <laughs> i had written squirt <laughs> um what is it? snoke snoke right yes I got it
2: right. <laughs> I, it's just uh, for the listeners enlightenment when we are talking among ourselves we never use his real name because we think it's <laughs> ridiculous and from the night that we first saw the force awakens we have sort of made an
1: exercise of using a new name every time we mention him well and it stemmed from us not being able to remember what his actual name was oh did it minutes after leaving okay. the theater i had forgotten that aspect
0: and then snoke not being a at all threatening name <laughs> <laughs> yeah um
2: and on that note there is a deleted scene in the force awakens that's on the it's on the iTunes version i'm sure it's on the blu-ray etc that shows han doing the same thing when the first order <laughs> tries to capture them
0: that's right. I think you showed that or so. Does he something.
2: call him Spork? I think he calls him Smoke, which is not in any way the most creative variant. And then he says something like he says something about it being a stupid name or not being very intimidating.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, the article just delineated that because they have to one up everything they did in the original trilogy, that he had <laughs> a
1: That is standard operating procedure.
0: For the first order.
1: <laughs> for
0: J.J. <J>. Abrams, <laughs> what did the Empire do? Make it bigger. <laughs> um. So I don't. I want to understand. He has his okay, own. Okay, I'm not.
2: I'm not going to go on a huge tangent here, but I really want to know why the ragtag remnants of the Empire are somehow better funded than the Empire itself <laughs> at its height.
1: Anyway, we're not going to dwell on that. So that they can make a Death Planet. Yeah.
0: Death Planet, easily destroyable Death Planet. <laughs>
1: Okay,
2: so there were budget issues.
0: <laughs> Curses. Why did we build a single small flaw into Death Planet? <laughs> did they have a name for it that wasn't Death Planet or was- Killer Base. Star Killer oh Base. God. Oh my gosh, Death Planet's better.
1: <laughs> I think I usually call it Death or Star.
0: Oh, Death or Star is pretty great
2: too. <laughs> well, Star Killer Base doesn't even make sense because a star killer is something that kills a star and they're just calling <laughs> They built a planet killer and called it. So I guess that's where the budget cuts come in. So like, we're right. going to build a star killer. And then the budget just wasn't there. So they
1: had to make a planet killer well, instead. It kind of kills the star by sucking its energy. Oh, you're then, right. It does consume the star. But yeah. that's not the, that's like the fuel so that it can kill the planets, <laughs> multiple yeah.
0: planets. But
1: So it kills the planets and
2: leaves a star devastated in its wake, I guess.
0: Well I was gonna say and but if it's a binary system where like the only drain one star to do it, then what about the other star is just gonna be fine. Maybe it dies of loneliness just from not having any of its friends around anymore. I don't know.
1: Like a dictic? Dick? I mean <laughs> it's like calling a gun gunpowder killer.
0: <laughs> also, um star wasn't the Star Killer the name of the secret apprentice Darth Vader took in the Force Awakens video games? I think his last name it was like Anthony Starkiller or something.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're
1: right. Yep, it was.
2: <laughs> and that was actually Luke's original last name as well.
1: Right. But it got changed. Oh, geez.
0: Um, anyway, so what the article actually said <laughs> was <laughs> that he has his own special uh, Super Star Destroyer. That's probably not even the actual name, but like a super big Star Destroyer that is... 60 kilometers long which would be like 35 miles or something like that um for people who don't want to use the metric system um but they yeah uh, then that led to me sharing it with dustin and trevor and then and somehow dovetailed into a discussion about like if this hit a planet like if it crashed like any oh it was because in force awakens you see crashed star destroyers on the Jakku. Is that the right plan name? I think so. Um, and they as, and just in the discussion it was noted that like if this hit, it would probably wipe out all life on the planet because it's ridiculously large. And then that led to discussion, well, what is its size relative to the asteroid that ended the dinosaurs? Um, which the estimate on that is that it's like five or six miles wide.
1: How many kilometers is
0: that? Uh, that would be like ten, nine to ten. Eight to ten, eight point something to ten. I don't know. So, but anyway, either way, this is much, at least in width, longer. And then there was discussion on does this have <laughs> the same like op- like the mass of the asteroid might be bigger. We don't really know. So this led to I don't want to steal Trevor's thunder. Trevor has devised a new standard scientific method or method <laughs> St- scientific measurement unit for us. Trevor, would you like to explain?
2: The Standard Cretaceous Asteroid.
1: (laughs) Abbreviated as (laughs) S-C-A. Should it have been Meteor?
0: No, Asteroid would be right, because I think an asteroid stays an asteroid if it... They just don't typically hit planets because they're so big. Okay,
2: that's fair. So if you're comparing to a ship, you would hope that it would remain an asteroid,
0: I guess. Yes. (laughs) So, we don't actually have a good answer on this if it would be more or less destructive than the asteroid that took out the. Because it's hard to do without actual mass measurements of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, For
2: reference, if anyone is wondering, a regular Imperial class star destroyer is 1.6 kilometers, and a super star destroyer like the Executor, so the Executor class super star destroyers, are 19 kilometers. So even the executor would be fairly devastating if it hit a planet.
1: Um, What is the size of uh, Spokes? Uh, 60
0: kilometers. 60 kilometers.
2: 60. Oh, man, I was thinking 30.
0: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It's so
1: ridiculously big. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then that was also a discussion of, well, like an asteroid's only ever going to hit a planet based on its own. I don't know. You had to know relative speeds, too, which we didn't know. Which and that would have a big factor in
1: Yeah.
0: How much energy it hits with.
1: Right. So like if we're just assuming that the what is is does it have a name yet, the ship?
2: (laughs) I think it does. Um oh man, I did not look into this after Matthew shared it with us.
0: (laughs) Can we call it just like Snork the Snork boat or something?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sometimes they have fun names like um General Grievous's flagship was named for an economic concept for instance
0: <laughs> the laissez faire <laughs> <laughs> the invisible hand <laughs> Okay that's a little better but just like the idea that it could be the laissez faire would be amazing
2: <laughs> Oh it's a mega class star destroyer sure. do do clever
0: all aboard
2: 10 to the 6th um oh please tell me this is not the name
1: it probably is
2: the supremacy (laughs)
1: it's the supremacy so snorts boat um, (laughs) if we're assuming that snorts boat is just in a like a planetary orbit and the orbit decays and it crashes it's going to be it would have a lower kinetic energy to start off with than the asteroid because the asteroid would not be it it would be traveling faster. But
0: I think in theory we were thinking it would have to be shot down or knocked out so it would probably have at least some of it it probably would have been moving at that time.
1: Right. But still it wouldn't be necessarily moving I, I think it would still probably be moving slower than the asteroid because unless it's just wanting to pass by whatever planet shot it down it would be slowing down enough that it could go into some some type of orbit. Um, so there's <laughs> that. But it would also... It would probably have a lower drag coefficient than the asteroid would. So it would maintain more of its original kinetic energy than the asteroid. And we did say that the asteroid would have a higher density than um, Snort's boat, but Yeah. Long story short, I don't really know.
0: (laughs) There's almost too many variables to figure out a good answer, but either one would not be good. Like, even if it's a pencil thin and it's still 60 miles long, (laughs) not pencil thin, but it's probably not going to be good. And presumably because the good guys usually win, I would think, well, they crashed a super Star Destroyer at the end of the first trilogy. So probably to, like, one up that, they'll crash the, what did you say it was called? The Supremacy? Yeah. They'll probably crash that then. The I fear would have been such a better name.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and they should have called it the Supremacy Class, Star Destroyer. Not Mega.
1: Right, because they... Don't they even know how these things work? <laughs> <laughs> because the executor, executor was the first of the Executor Class? Yes. Okay. Just as the Dreadnought was the first of the Dreadnought Class. Is there a Dreadnought Class? Oh, well, Battleships. Back in the day. Oh, you're talking real-life stuff? I'm talking real-life stuff, yeah. Okay. Oh, the first one is actually called Dreadnought? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. So, yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, that is the standard in Star Wars. I did not know that that came from real life, but it makes
1: sense. I'm pretty sure it's the standard for just, yeah, any naval ship class.
2: Yeah, which... (sighs) at least they didn't go the other direction and say, well, we want to call it the mega star destroyer mega class star destroyer. So his flagship is going to be called the
1: mega. (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that.
2: (laughs) Um, what's the over under on this ship being seen from the surface of a planet?
1: Um, are we talking at,
2: Oh, I'm trying to think of a, a good distance to say, well, so in the force awakens, what I'm, the reason I'm thinking about this is in the force awakens people on the surface of Takodana see the destruction of the Hosnian system even though they're literally in a different star system.
1: (laughs) So they see the, the shot like flying through there. Yeah. They
2: see the shot, which like, okay, well, like hyper, super hyper weapon or whatever. Um, I don't know, but I, I guess there are ways to talk your way around that somehow being visible weirdly, but the planet exploding seems especially egregious to me. So anyway, the question is, what are the chances somebody sees, slurps, starship <laughs> from the surface of a planet while standing in a different solar system?
1: Um, I would say I'm going to take the uh, the over. That means it's more likely that it's going to happen. than I more. don't actually
2: know what the gambling term means. I just use
1: it. <laughs> I think usually it's related to a score, but...
0: I will love the movie more if it has a scene of someone from a different star, like star system screaming, oh no, there's the enduring recession or whatever it was called.
2: (laughs) I'm going to add a couple more parameters to this. So the the news recently came out, the terrible news that JJ Abrams will be directing episode nine in the original trilogy. The executor is introduced in episode five and then is destroyed in episode six. So, I think it will survive until episode 9, and the sight of it from the surface of a planet in another star system will happen in episode 9 under JJ's direction. I am placing no money on this, (laughs) but rather the opportunity to later say, told you so. And if it doesn't happen, we'll just forget about it.
1: (laughs) Footage not found.
0: (laughs) Well, they had footage of it when it was just (laughs) not I would be deeply impressed if there was footage <laughs> actually not depressed or not impressed disturbed like why who's filming Trevor as he says this in his own house
1: I'm I'm going to wager that they reveal the supremacy destroy the supremacy and in episode 9 create the mega giga supremacy and the death or death or star,
0: the, the Deathist star,
1: the de- <laughs> the giga class star destroyer,
2: the preeminent is that big enough? <laughs> Omnipresent,
0: <laughs> the infinity death star. You flip a switch, everything in the universe dies, just everything. <laughs> Lord Vader, why would we use this? I don't. Well, I guess Vader's not in there anyway.
2: This is really dangerous. They might hear these ideas and think they're good.
0: Deathest star, you say. J.J. <laughs> <J>. Abrams <laughs> laughed atop his pile of money. <laughs>
1: That's a great idea. I'm using it.
0: Um, so are we through with that vein of wherever that was I, going? This uh, is turning
1: when, into a Force Awakens slash J.J. <laughs> <J>. Abrams
2: <laughs> episode. A very quick addendum. Just the thought... I mean, what we were originally talking about was what would happen if this thing hit a planet or a Death (laughs) or Star. That raises the question for me. As mentioned, in Return of the Jedi, the Executor crashes into the second Death Star. Wouldn't that have been enough to take out the second Death Star? Probably. So basically all that work that Lando and Wedge and Nine Numb put in was really not particularly helpful
1: right it's like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark oh the fact that they would have opened the ark and died anyway (laughs) yeah Um, well I
0: guess we were also here
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Well, I mean they take out so they destroy the reactor core isn't that what explodes the Death Star 2 yeah even though the Executor crashed into it. Yes. So you're saying the Executor would have caused the destruction anyway. Yeah. They didn't, okay.
2: I guess it might have been a slower destruction. Right. And the Death Star probably could have blown up a lot more capital ships before going out. So they probably saved at least several
1: capital ships. Yes. It's all about dim capital
0: ships. So moving on from there... We also, doubling back upon a favorite topic, we had, I don't remember whose news this actually was, um, there are going to be some changes at the Field Museum, a museum of which we are all fond. Who wanted to talk about that?
1: <laughs> why don't, I think you might have shared the topic with us, so why don't you okay. talk okay. about this one? Um,
0: so there has been a news story circulating about how they are moving, if you go into the Field Museum, there's a big open area right at the entryway that's got like I think right now a couple of elephants and then Sue and there might be a couple other things here and there around but those are the eye-catching things um they are actually going to be moving Sue and putting in Sue's place a titanosaur skeleton which is a much larger more eye-catching dinosaur in a way so I could understand why they were going for that and they've got the space to display a titanosaur so um But because that's been the news blur, people are thinking, no, they're getting rid of Sue. Why would they do this? Sue is actually getting a promotion of sorts in that she's being moved into her entire own, I say wing. That's probably not quite as large as it is, but she's getting her own dedicated space.
2: I saw the word Um, gallery used.
0: Gallery would probably be the right term. So she's getting that, and that will be, in a way, like even more... Like, she's not just... Like, they kind of had it awkwardly phrased with... Not phrased. Positioned in that you could see Sue. There was maybe, like, a little plaque by Sue's skeleton. And then they had a... Up on the second level, you could look down at Sue, and they had kind of a display up there. But you... Probably a lot of people never got up there to see it if they went there. So it'll be nice that everything will be concentrated in one area, and people can read and learn more about Sue. And there will be a... I don't know. It just feels appropriate that she's getting her own section in the museum dedicated to her. I don't think they have anything quite the same done for anyone, like any one particular thing, in the sense that, like, usually there are lots of exhibits rather than like one main particular specimen getting that much focus.
2: Yeah, they're usually more focused around like a topic. Right unless you count the model of a pyramid as a specimen but it's not so never mind <laughs> that is a a very good way of displaying a collection of egyptian artifacts
0: also related that's probably the end on that also related to dinosaurs um we have a have we talked about dinosaur comics on here before i can't recall if we have or not
2: i don't think so probably not
0: Hmm. <laughs> Okay, well I do we, dinosaur comics are something we also very much like in that they're it's a very long running webcomic at this point that always has the same set of images and a T-rex a drummesiioymus and a Utah Raptor within those same set of images just saying different things on the on subsequent days. so um related to that. I believe Dustin had some points he wanted to make about a specific one.
1: Yeah. Uh, more generally about, uh, dinosaur comics. Some of them are kind of raunchy. Um, but the ones that are not are often good fun. I used to share them with my classes if they were clean and no one ever seemed to think they were as funny as me, which just proves that high schoolers have no sense of humor. um, Specifically, dinosaur comic number
0: 3043. Um, Sounds so ludicrous when you say it like that. Why? Just because, like, oh my gosh, this is a really long running webcomic. Right. Okay.
1: I was going to say, we just said it's long running. Doesn't he publish a new one literally every day? Uh, Yeah, pretty much.
0: It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right?
2: Okay. All I know is I tried following it for a while and I just couldn't keep up, so I gave up. And I just read them when Dustin sends them.
0: <laughs> um, There's an another one. That, okay, let's know. Uh. Okay,
1: 3043. So, yeah. 3043, he says something about uh, using the metric system, which has the advantage of specifically temperature... Oh, wait, no. So uh, we use metric, which has the advantage of making moving between units easy, lets us have a temperature scale based on physical constants rather than some briny water I found, lol. And I was a little bit upset with that particular idea of um, I think he's probably using Celsius because I doubt that people who are in SI or using metric systems are talking about temperature in Kelvin. Um, But Celsius is actually based on some briny water that they found, lol. Um, and Kelvin is the one that is based on absolute physical constants. Um, it's It uses the same uh, divisions as Celsius. So like one degree Celsius is equal to one degree Kelvin. So they change at the same rate, but... Gradation? Gradation, yeah. Um, the gradations are the same, but it's not accurate to say that Celsius is based on... A physical constant well it's based on the you know the freezing point of water
0: also the author's canadian which is probably why i would guess they're using right it. yeah
1: and the yeah so he thinks that celsius is so much better because it's based on a physical constant other than water but it is based on water so take that
0: um i feel like that's almost relevant to bring up the xkcd where like the who and he that guy is kind of science backgroundy has lots of like list the plus and minuses both for using fahrenheit and or celsius
1: oh i'd like to see that one
0: he's done it a couple times but one of them is like him literally saying he doesn't know what to go with because the arguments there's good arguments both ways and Gets and that he gets like hung up on that and he's like, oh geez, these people probably don't want Kelvin either. What are they (laughs) (laughs) going? But anyway, we can. I might try looking that up and maybe we will follow up on it in another follow up. Follow up all the way down.
1: Or you could send it to us and we could include it in the show notes.
0: I don't know if I'll have time to find. What? (laughs) Future follow up. Yeah, it might be future follow up. Um. Anyway. Are we finished with that? Yes. I think we are. Okay. Um, something I wanted to mention is that I, and this is almost, I mean, it's for the listeners too, I guess, but um, I started playing a game called The Witness, which is interesting in that it is, you're kind of just, you wake up on an island and you have, the only thing to do is, solve. it's really a pretty environment, but you solve puzzles, which then I haven't got that far in the game, so I don't actually know what I'm doing activated one that caused a giant laser to show up and shoot at a mountain. Um, But the puzzles are kind of interesting in that they're all the same objective. You, you have like a maze, you have a starting point and you have to draw a line to get to the end. And that starts deceptively simple and then becomes much more complicated pretty quickly. Um, But it's nice that it's a peaceful environment and that it exercises it i don't know it's a very unique way of delivering a puzzle game and contextualizing it within a story and like all the storytelling is kind of environmental anyway so it's interesting and i thought and when i was playing it i thought dustin would really like this trevor would probably like it and get frustrated with the navigation
1: (laughs) i saw that it was available and Thought about getting it for my kids and I because they like playing Monument Valley, and I thought, oh, more puzzles. They they like puzzles.
0: It is a 3D game, so I don't know how well it would handle on an on a touchscreen. Um, mm-hmm. The puzzles themselves would be fine because that's kind of just clicking, and I'm assuming on a touchscreen is like drag, like you hold and drag to yeah. form the line you want. But the na- I don't know how the navigation would feel. Um, but then I guess that's not even like there. When you're walking around, there's not even like a jump option. You can't even fall off a cliff. You're kind of like locked in where you are. So maybe it would be fine. I don't know. It's also very pretty, so I think playing it on a bigger screen so you can appreciate that would be better. But it in part of the reason it's also being brought up is it just released on iOS system stuff stuff that's already saying it released on iOS earlier this week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I have it on Xbox and just have not played it but just started doing it. So I basically just want to say Dustin, you would probably like this and Trevor would probably also like it.
2: <laughs> for some I had heard about it but for some reason I thought it was just an iOS game. I didn't realize it was on other stuff.
0: Yeah, it's I think it came to iOS last. So then okay. that's probably why you
2: Uh the reason I heard it mentioned was because the app store with iOS 11 recently got a big overhaul and they're doing like it's there's this today view. That's almost more like a blog where they tell like stories about the different apps. And, um, I think the witness was featured in there. Yeah. That's where I saw it. I think that's why I had heard about it.
0: Um, I just heard about it being a visually interesting puzzle game, which interested me and there's, um, and I, then I'd heard that and then I saw a list that it's actually like in terms of the best games you could get for Xbox it's one of the like top 10 that you could get and I thought oh that's interesting so if the uh, puzzle games are your thing it might be worth checking out although I got it when it was on I don't even know what the regular price is if you get it on a console but I think it's $10 on iOS but it is Um, on a console I got it during a steep discount sale where it was like maybe three or something. (laughs) So anyway, that's my end of plug there. So falling back to favorite topics, I (laughs) don't know about you guys, but I don't think we've had a fun Finland fact in, and today yet. And that's just a sad situation that someone should remedy.
1: Yeah. So fun Finland fact that actually connects to the whole iOS gaming thing. Well, well, mobile gaming um, Rovio entertainment creators of the phone app. Angry birds are from Finland.
0: Neat. It surprises me that angry birds still does stuff, but they <laughs> totally do things. Yeah. They spot. I saw something. I can't remember what it was. They sponsored a, Oh, it was a soccer slash football everywhere else. in not America team. They were the sponsor of or something like that. And I was like, "Huh, Angry Birds is still doing stuff," it's like, that, which is probably not what the soccer team or football team would have liked.
2: It wasn't that long ago that their movie came out, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and that was, but it was still two, like two or three years after their cultural saturation high point.
2: Yeah, uh, you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head.
0: <laughs>
2: you don't like Angry Birds. It's fine. Yeah. It's just, I I just don't understand how it rose to such heights. That's all.
0: Well, now I think we're on like the downward slide so that like new kids who are first in getting into that don't know what it is. And I think that's interesting that we've, that might be the first like, oh, I don't know, pop cultural thing that's saturated in the smartphone era that's now on its decline so that people will be able like those kids in another 5 to 10 years will be like I loved angry birds remember angry like I don't know something like that
2: yeah it's not even the game itself that is annoying it's just the degree to which they have spun off and sequelized and merchandized and they've they've i mean i guess that's a credit to them they've done a very good job of taking the franchise in a lot of profitable directions i guess so i i guess good for them for doing that but also it gets annoying like seeing angry bird t-shirts all the time i don't know <laughs> that's their finnish sisu coming through it is, what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
2: i actually had one ready if you guys didn't have
1: one.
0: Oh, i gotta hear your
1: finland fact
0: or do we want to save it or double down i don't know i i don't know the answer you
1: want me to save it i what what's the likelihood what's the over under that you forget (laughs) i will probably not forget (laughs) okay there so you're saying there's a chance (laughs) i want to hear it i I
2: think i should save it Uh.
0: (laughs) should i save it 10 seconds later i will (laughs) save it i don't care what you think
2: fine i'll tell you (laughs) do you want me to tell you
1: yes i've asked this is a roller coaster
2: okay um, one of my favorite podcasts, 99% Invisible, did an episode about Finland. So this is not exactly a fact in and of itself, but more just a Finland related recommendation. Um, The Finnish Experiment, episode 276. 99% Invisible is a show that talks about design and architecture. This episode is about how Finland uses um, design and experimentation in their government. So they don't just decide what they're going to do based on whichever ideology manages to get the most people behind it at a given moment. They actually experiment and try different things. And this is an account of something they're experimenting with right now. Um just trying to find the best way to make something work for their people. So, episode 276 of 99% Invisible, The Finnish Experiment. If you want to uh I guess that's I'm pointing you towards a larger Finland fact because you will learn a lot about Finland if you listen to that episode.
0: I don't think I've mentioned it as of yet. Um but there's definitely a thing in the in Spamalot, which is the like musical ish adaptation of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where the narrator launches like is saying something like, This is England, and it's supposed to launch into a song about England, and the cast just decides to do a song about Finland instead. <clears throat> and exalting what are perceived as its virtues. At the end the narrator is quite cross.
2: That does not sound like this podcast at all.
0: (laughs) I felt it was just worth mentioning. Anyway.
2: If you want to listen to that episode of 99% Invisible, you can find the link at the show notes for this episode. And those are at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 21. Depending on what podcast app you are using to listen to this, you might also be able to just find them right there in your app. Um, but if you don't have
1: that feature, you can find them at that address that I just gave. So this week in destiny, how do you guys like it after you've played it more? Are you starting to hate it? (laughs) There are some things that
2: I am getting annoyed by and some things that I am beginning to like. Do you care to, I can elaborate. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, the, I don't remember exactly what we said before, uh, but just to recap, the weapon system changed a little bit in Destiny 1, aka Destiny. You could carry a primary weapon, a secondary weapon, and a heavy weapon. So primaries were like uh, pulse rifle, scout rifle, auto rifle, hand cannon. Special weapons would be like shotgun, sniper, fusion rifle. And heavy weapons would be like machine guns, rocket launchers, that kind of thing. Um, It's changed now so that you have a kinetic weapon, an energy weapon, and a power weapon. And what this means is that you basically get two primary weapons, and one of them does kinetic damage, and one of them does elemental damage. Whereas uh, beforehand, you could sometimes rarely get a... Um, primary weapons that did elemental damage. um, But usually they were just kinetic and then the, the special and the heavy would have an element like solar or void, whatever. Um, Now you have one that's just kinetic and one that is elemental. And then the power weapon is equivalent to the heavy weapon, but the breakdown is a little different for the kinetic and energy. You have a hand cannon, scout rifle, Auto rifle, that kind of thing, uh, sidearms, and now SMGs as well. And then the special weapons all got moved down to the power slot, along with the heavy weapons. And machine guns are gone. So you have what rocket? Yeah, machine guns are gone. That no, is, yeah. <laughs> okay, I loved I, my Zombie Apocalypse for
0: now more than I anything
1: else in the game. Do not they, regret not buying that game now.
0: <laughs> it. it also, I think we talked about the fact that they, it seems like a little bit of stuff is not present. Like, for instance, the factions aren't in there at the moment and they might be.
2: Those wait. are coming next week.
0: I know, but they're, they might have a long-term plan to reintroduce them or like. Right. Put it in at like a DLC and be like, this is why we're doing this. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. So didn't. like
2: in the first game, Swords got introduced, what, like two years in? Yes. Now we have swords from the beginning and we'll probably get machine guns after a year or two and they'll be like, oh, look at this great new feature. Anyway, the point I want to make right now is um, it's a little bit annoying having to basically choose between a heavy weapon and a special weapon because I can't carry a rocket launcher and a sniper rifle at the same time. But I do really like basically having two primaries because I like hand cannons a lot, but they don't have the best range. And there are a lot of places in the game where you basically had to have a scout rifle so that you could, I mean, sniper rifles are nice, but they don't have that much ammo. So you'd have to have a scout rifle to be able to do damage at medium to longish ranges. And so you just couldn't carry a hand cannon. Now I can carry both a hand cannon and a scout rifle and be covered for those situations where I have to have the scout rifle, but then also have the hand cannon for when I want it because... At a lot of short to medium range stuff, I like the hand cannon feel a lot better.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that. Like, I'm now—I was switching stuff out a lot when I would just want to be higher light, but now that I've settled somewhat, I'm going by using a scout and a auto rifle, and I like being able to switch back and forth between those, and it helps also with like um, ammo management issues
1: that too so are swords and rocket launchers the only heavies that they offer now
0: no the fusions and snipers wait fusion, fusion snipers. Sniper, shotgun okay um, remind me what they, the
1: classes are now
0: power uh, is
1: the power the thing that we're talking about yeah power
0: yes. okay they basically anything what that was a Not special a, weapon yeah. is now a power weapon as well, they combined heavy and power, or no, they combined he- special and heavy into power, and they kind of made, I guess, a new halfway new one—the linear fusion rifle, which is a different thing.
2: Hmm. I've I have not picked up a single linear fusion rifle, but I've heard people say that it's a lot like Queenbreaker's bow. Hmm.
0: It felt kind of like a railgun, but um maybe like. That's just what I would... There's a charge-up period and fires and has a long range.
1: So... Um, you, oh, oh, go ahead. ahead.
0: I was just going to say it didn't require as much accuracy as using a sniper.
1: Matthew, you mentioned some kind of convention that's happening soon.
0: Oh, the faction rally?
1: Yes. What is that?
0: Um, Like I said, they didn't have factions in the game, and they're, in the coming week, reintroducing them and having people pledge to a specific faction um and at the end of which the one team that like you pledge and then do stuff to earn points for that faction and the team the faction that globally among all players has the most will sell its special weapon that they detailed um and people who are part of that faction get it for a like no co- essentially at no cost in terms of resources Um, And then everyone else has to pay a hefty amount to get that if they want it.
1: So then why doesn't everyone just coordinate, hey, during this rally, let's all get Dead Orbit, and then we all get the weapon for free? Because um, not everybody realizes that Dead Orbit is the best.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And people... Have you ever tried to get everyone to agree on one thing and to do one plan of action?
1: Yeah, it works well.
0: (laughs) 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 um i i'm just thinking you could literally say there are no stakes in this whatsoever and give people options and people would still develop ridiculously strong opinions about their thing that they thought was a good idea and they just went with it i don't know but yeah we've discussed how our (laughs) we will be working for um the glory of dead orbit which sounds weird when you say that but Also, they have the best faction weapon reward. It's a scout rifle.
1: Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I was torn between Dead Orbit and Future War Cult because in the philosophy of the game, I would rather prepare for a war against the minions of darkness than
0: run away from them. But... The future... Those... The the ideologies don't seem mutually exclusive to me because Dead Orbit's more just about like Earth is screwed and we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um they're not opposed to fighting. Like it's just a sense of I guess being here is a death trap type thing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they could easily work So with the future war cult. Like whereas like new monarchy's just against both of them.
2: <laughs> I would say that um, for anybody who has seen Battlestar Galactica, I think that that provides a sort of synopsis and exploration of the three um, mm. ideologies. Yeah, um, Dead Orbit is essentially the idea that you see through most of the series of the fleet um, on the run from the Cylons. Future War Cult would be like Pegasus. When the attack first happens, what? Oh, go ahead. Future War Cult would be like when the attack on Caprica and the rest of humanity first happens and Adama wants to turn and fight and make a last stand. And is it Roslyn has to talk him out of it? Probably. Yeah, Ros- I think it's Roslyn talks him out of it, taking more of the dead orbit approach where if we're going to survive, we have to run and we can fight, but we're not going to throw the entirety of humanity at this because we can't win right here right now Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the difference between future war cult and dead orbit whereas new monarchy is um the people on the ground in caprica completely unaware that they're about to be annihilated
0: (laughs) everything is fine we're fine how are you
1: let's have a new king explosion (laughs) yeah so I think in real life I would probably be more of a dead orbit person, but I don't know.
2: Iraq Jalal, the representative, really creeped me out at first and that kind of put me off to it. Um
1: like having But kids then looking go, at the
2: information, I had to go with him. Yeah, gotcha. What were you gonna say?
1: Didn't wasn't one of his uh commentaries like something about children are great because they can fit in places? Oh, yeah. Some of his idle dialogue when you're standing around.
2: Something about needing to recruit children because they can fit in, like, they can crawl in small spaces,
1: which I don't really know what that was about. Yeah. That alone made it to where I didn't join Dead Orbit for a long time. Yeah.
0: He also looks kind of like, not movie version, but book illustration version of Severus Snape.
1: Yeah. Even more reason to join Dead Orbit. (laughs) They also have the best shaders.
0: Yeah, that that's there yeah. that there's that too.
1: Even more reason.
2: <laughs> and I hear Hung Jury has a great role this week. <laughs> and more
0: reason. <laughs> um anyway, um so yeah, I'd say that generally to answer your question it seems to be Oh, we did a nightfall, which I think that might be a comment in a way it's a commentary because I don't think we did a nightfall for a long time. Probably um,
2: the last year. Of the three years of the original game, I don't think we touched the Nightfalls.
0: Well, they made them kind of difficult there, but um, they,
2: they made them, yeah, they weren't fun anymore.
0: I don't think we did Nightfalls early on that much. I feel like that, oh, took, yeah, it took a while for us to even like get up to doing it. And like we did it in the second week here, so that,
2: right? I, it took me a while to get up to the light level. And then even after that, I remember you were typically doing them earlier in the week. So my first, my very first Nightfall. Was Archon Priest, and I soloed it simply because you had already done it and weren't able to do it again with me. Um, so that
0: was one that was soloable, and then they patched it.
2: Yeah, yeah. There were places that you could sit and snipe and be careful. Um, and then they changed it so that I think they might have even made the the sniping nests kill zones. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They had like yeah. a ship come in and shoot you. Yeah, so. Um it was a really fun experience soloing that once when I didn't actually know the game very well, so it was <laughs> really difficult but um and then after that, we did a ton of them together, of course
1: mm-hmm.
2: but i now they've added a timer, a thirty minute timer is it
0: um I don't know if it's it's something like that it, I don't it, remember how long
2: it is that, that it first rest. nightfall probably took me an hour hour and a half to do. <laughs> Because there were times I would just like run out of scout rifle ammo and just have to kind of wait for the ammo fairy to bless me again so I could start shooting again.
0: Um, But they typically don't have quite as many modifiers in the Nightfalls now, which is a little bit better, I think.
2: But there is a rotating burn where it cycles between the three elements, which for those not familiar with Destiny, sometimes the Nightfall or other strikes would have... For instance, void burn, and it would mean that void damage would be greatly amplified. uh, Both from enemies and from players. But now it rotates like every, what, 20 to 30 seconds? Something like that. And because one of your weapons is purely kinetic, you can only have two elements on your weapons. You can't do a full arc solar void loadout like before.
0: I think there's been some theory that you could, not theory, people do it. Um, they apply it so that everyone reps one element because there's three people playing. And then when it cycles around, they let like that person take point. Okay. So you're always doing, someone's always doing kind of like a focused optimal damage.
2: The recommendation I saw was have everybody do two different ones and make sure that each element Has two guns assigned to it on different people. So you always have two people shooting. Hmm. Uh, The one other thing that is kind of frustrating me about the game is um, they've actually improved the screen that shows you what activities and quests you're working on. But the game has kind of a rhythm to it with daily or weekly activities that'll give you rewards. And The way they've redesigned it, although overall it's good, it no longer shows you what the time frame is for any given activity. So when I'm looking at the list of what they call milestones now, I don't know what is a daily thing that's going to reset tomorrow or what is a thing that's not going to reset until next week. And that would be really useful information when I'm playing on a Monday. I want to know what's going to be fresh the next day on the Tuesday. Um, I guess that's not as big a... That's a bad example because they're both going to reset uh, the weekly and the daily, but if I'm playing further from the weekly reset, I want to know what the daily activity is.
0: Um. Also, it's pro- I am liking the fact that there is a like, essentially in terms of like getting a high-powered reward, essentially an end game activity that just amounts to go to a specific planet every week and do um, public events there, and then you after so many of those, you can return and get a um, high-powered reward. Whereas before, I feel like they were locking all the highest-powered stuff behind, like, go play Trials of Osiris. Oh, you're not good enough for that. Sorry. Um, go do the raid. Oh, you can't do. You don't have 12 hours and six people to go do this. Like, it's a very accessible one that you can do relatively independently. So I think that's nice.
1: Cool. Are we ready for our main topic? I believe so. Uh,
0: our main topic today is one that we thought would be relevant to discuss, just to go into some very um, prevalent logical fallacies that crop up here and there. And just discussing them, we thought that'd be interesting to uh, um I don't know, like talk about, and then you can see how well you apply them in, not apply them, (laughs) apply the (laughs) software (laughs) fallacy. That's a crappy way of reasoning. I'm glad I should have learned about this earlier. Um, (laughs) But you can see that in argument, like you could almost make a game, I can guarantee you of the first several, because they crop up quite a bit Um, just in terms of how people are arguing about things. So. Um, In terms of a logical fallacy, just being like, it's not actually a the way to argue, have an argument and be the thing you're arguing about. Usually they're the most common ones are just like taking on a line of thought that doesn't actually have any bearing on what you're discussing or arguing about. So um, the first one I kind of wanted to bring up, which, again, I think people in name or not would be familiar with is. Um, the I don't know if it's quite a if you would say fallacy formally, but it's the straw man fallacy where you people. This usually happens when it's like-minded individuals discussing someone who is less (laughs) like-minded, and they construct a position for that person that the person wouldn't actually really defend, but it makes it really easy to hyperbolize what that person believes. So um, I try to think of what would you guys think of would be a good example of that?
2: I'm going to be trying really hard to think of examples that aren't political.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we could say, let's say we're in the star Wars universe and we're yes. at a meeting of Jedi and they're discussing the Sith. <laughs> they would say like, yeah, the Sith sure are, I I'm try, I'm gonna fail with this. Trevor, think of some way to make that work. <laughs>
1: they they eat babies. They love <laughs> baby eating.
0: The tender flight, yeah. So they <laughs> Well that's not even you're trying to make like a It's like saying like you know, and you know, you're right. They love just like murdering tons of baby oh, they really do love murdering younglings. Um they love killing babies because nope, this is not going well, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Are you trying to think of a way to say the Sith aren't actually that bad?
0: No, <laughs> no. It's just like they. It, you're essentially like the fallacy is making them into something they're not.
2: Okay. Like I'm. I'm still trying to think of a Star Wars one, but as I have heard it said, Star Wars is a morality test designed for six year olds. So who says mm-hmm. that? Um, <laughs> uh, there was just a, a comment I saw when people when for some reason it became vogue to argue that the empire
1: was actually in the right. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Um, so probably all of their arguments were arguments that the empire wouldn't actually defend. So straw man. I don't know. I mean, there is nuance in various places. That was just a, a refutation
2: of a terrible line of reasoning. I'm trying to think of a good straw man. Um,
1: there really should be one. Um, the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz? <laughs> uh, can we really not think of a straw man?
0: Well, you, without going I was not prepared to
1: come up with examples. <laughs> what did you say, Matthew? Uh,
0: without going political is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
2: This shouldn't be this difficult.
0: It's one of those things where it's much easier to you know, like point out when you see it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Um what about Dungeons and Dragons? Like Satan worship? Yes. Um Dungeons and Dragons has faced a lot of opposition especially in the past. So a lot of um relatively innocent nerds who just wanted to play a fun game with their friends would be accused of worshipping Satan. Summoning demons, um, sacrificing babies, what have you, and really, they just wanted to play this fantasy game with their friends.
0: Similar, okay, that did make me think of another one. Similarly, something that happens a lot, that at least historically it had happened a lot, was that when um, people of religious backgrounds would talk about atheists, it would somehow get convoluted with like, "Yep, they're devil worshippers," and it's like, nope, that that is not how atheism works." <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Like, again, it's just basically like making you're making someone you're arguing about have a position they don't actually hold. Right. But it might make it more easy for you to vilify or condemn what their standpoint is from your point of view. And it's considered a logical fallacy A eh, because it's not like a great thing. It, it Basically, it's just not even addressing your argument at all because you're bringing in completely unrelated facts that another party isn't even trying to argue.
2: You're fabricating a weak enemy in order to pretend that you have defeated your actual enemy.
0: Hence why it's a straw man. You're building your own person who's easy to beat up. Yeah. So anyway, that... This,
2: This sometimes happens on purpose when people just really want to win an argument, and sometimes it happens when people have a very poor understanding of the person or position they're disagreeing with. So a lot of times you'll see online people throwing stuff out and it's clear they just don't actually know what they're talking about. But the result is that they think they are oh so very correct.
0: And yes, if you can construct your own opponent (laughs) that you know that, Basically, does whatever you want, it's very easy to win. So, um, are we okay with moving on? Yep. So, another one that crops up all the time in <laughs> arguments is called the No True Scot. I don't know if this is actually the official name, but it is popularly referred to as the No True Scotsman fallacy. And this is where, um, someone says, uh, this one you could probably do something really easy. Okay.
2: Strawman and no true Scotsman, I think, are both the actual names because I think they're both informal fallacies.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all. I'm just trying of go with common ones, not necessarily yeah. formal logical.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying they. Um, I feel like the ones with Latin names are the formal ones.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I think some of the formal ones are not necessarily Latin named, but yeah, I get what you're going for. Um, but no true Scotsman is let's. In this, someone would say like. Let's say there's two individuals arguing. One person would say, ah, Scotsmen are honorable and decent folk. And then the second person comes in and says, well, my neighbor was a Scotsman and he um, was constantly... (laughs) The first thing came to mind was running over my cats. (laughs) 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 He was constantly stealing my mail. Let's say that. And then the first person would come back and say, ah, no. He wasn't really a Scotsman. No true Scotsman would steal your mail from you. (laughs) So it's basically just saying, like, your argument doesn't count because that guy wasn't really this class. You're trying to discount the example that the person's bringing up in the argument by saying that doesn't really apply because they weren't really what we're even talking about. It's someone trying to change the nature of it or just ignore inconvenient or hard facts. Hmm. So that comes up a lot where um you'll see especially when there's in news stories people of um like a group behaving poorly you'll see people bring up saying like oh yeah well that's how this is and then other people rushing to the defense will be like ah but they're not really the true representation of this group that I don't know it Can go that way. You see it applied uh, very frequently to um, discussions on religion.
2: Yes, especially religion and violence. Hmm.
0: So again, it's considered a fallacy just because it's like not even really addressing the argument. In fact, just trying to shape the argument in such a way that you immediately, like not immediately, win it, but you're discounting things that happen in your favor. rather than addressing the argument.
2: This is a little bit of a um, side note, but you know when people say, ah, but that's the exception that proves the rule. Yes. Does that have a name? Because that feels like almost a way of doing No True Scotsman while pretending to avoid doing it.
0: (laughs) It probably does, and I don't know the name.
2: Cause it's like, Oh yeah, that's an exception. But for some reason that proves me correct. But like, I, I've never understood that line of thought. exception that proves the rule doesn't even make sense as a phrase. It doesn't, <laughs> but it's a thing that people say. I, yeah, we'll just leave that one.
1: <laughs> Do you have an example of that?
2: Um, I mean, a lot of times it's the same. Um, I, I want to read you guys the no true Scotsman example that's in Wikipedia because it's especially Scottish and I can use it to extrapolate what I'm saying about mm-hmm. this. No true Scotsman puts sugar in his porridge, but my uncle Argus likes sugar with his porridge. Ah, uh, yes, but no true Scotsman puts sugar on his porridge. Um, so imagine if the response was instead well, that's one person who puts sugar on their porridge, so it's the exception that proves the rule. What does that even mean?
1: <laughs> it, again,
0: I don't think it means anything.
2: Yeah, it means it means literally nothing. It means... Maybe they're trying... I still think I'm right, despite whatever you can say.
0: It almost feels like they're trying... I don't know. Like Maybe they think, oh, all rules have exceptions, so there being an exception proves that it's a rule, which doesn't even <laughs> make sense as a...
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, in my math proofs, If you can find an exception, you've disproved (laughs) whatever it is that you're trying to prove. Like, that's called proof by contradiction.
2: I think, okay, I'm going to charitably try to guess what people are doing here. I think the implication is the rule I am stating is well enough established that you noticed an exception to it. And if it wasn't the rule, then that wouldn't have even stood out to you and you wouldn't be able to point it out which still is ridiculous, but I think that might be kind of what they're going
1: for. <laughs> okay.
0: It's good that you do it because I think on um, a list of fallacies I saw, one of them was assuming malign intent upon the part of the arguer.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's a fun one. Um, <laughs> um, I like to use that one all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go to the next one.
0: Well, I think then, yeah, there's, anyway, um, which almost kind of, like segues into this is that um and this one you will see in many prominent examples in current events and that's all I'm going to say about it. Um are ad hominem arguments. This is the classic like non-sequitur follow going away from what the argument is. Um because basically an ad hominem argument is just devolving into an attack upon the other party instead of trying to debate what you're actually discussing it all so, so let's say you were talking about whether there should be a stoplight at a particular intersection that didn't have one or something. you know
2: who liked stoplights
0: i don't want the answer no
2: <laughs> hitler
0: <laughs> oh that was not where i was gonna go with that but i was gonna oh, say really? like no um, no
1: true scotman scotsman likes stoplights
0: <laughs> oh scotland sounds dangerous <laughs> um <laughs> The <laughs> I'm just imagining that being a legal defense, like, I oh, why didn't you stop at the st- the stoplight? Ah, oh, no true Scotsman likes stoplights,
1: <laughs> or just a country of road rage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but no, it would be like arguing over like, does this intersection need a stoplight, and then saying like, well, of course, Jim's like, of course, Jim, you're going to want a stoplight. You're constantly no wait. You wouldn't want to stop by. Like, you're constantly drunk, and you want to drive through all here. You're so you probably can't even reason correctly because of how drunk you are right now. Like that's the kind of thing where you're not <laughs> discussing the merit of the argument at all. You're just insulting poor Jim, who's really drunk. Apparently,
1: <laughs> I bet he's a Scotsman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so, but that that actually maybe was even more common than the first two because tons of arguments tend yeah. to devolve into, uh, like, and there's a lot of subsets of ad hominem in that sometimes you're people, like, it goes into anything where you stop talking about what you're talking about and you're investigating or discussing something about the personality or character of the person that you are arguing with.
2: Is Godwin's Law a uh- subset of this?
0: It seems like it should be related.
2: Godwin's law being, um, for anybody who hasn't heard of this, um, I'm, well, I'm kind of misusing the phrase. Godwin's law actually states that at the point where one person in an argument brings up Hitler, they have lost. Um, So referring to Godwin's law, sometimes is just a shorthand for saying like playing the Hitler card or just saying that you're, opponent or the person that you're talking about is literally Hitler. Um, (laughs) That feels like a type of ad hominem to me. Although one that you don't even have to say anything bad about the person. You just compare them to Hitler and the comparison does all the work for you. I guess.
0: I think there is some thought given that if you, if you have to go into doing ad hominem attacks, it's a sign that you either don't know what you're talking about because you don't have the information to intelligently discuss the point you're on or that um, essentially you've just given up trying to discuss it and you just want to vilify your opponent <laughs> hence the employing of Hitler in the Godwin's law example yeah um a another interesting What did we say everything we wanted to on ad hominem
1: yeah yeah it's I mean it's a really common one I think that
2: those first three are probably the ones people are most familiar with. Yeah, I
1: was I was not familiar with No True Scotsman, but it's, I mean, the concept is not new. I just hadn't heard that name.
0: So people will be familiar with the next one that we are going to talk about, which is the argument from nature.
1: Is this the red herring?
0: I think in a sense they're all red herrings, aren't they? <laughs> Um, I guess red herrings are natural. But anyway, the um, argument from nature just being that it is a fallacy to bring up. This is natural. We should do this because it is natural. Or conversely, this is unnatural. We should not do this because it is unnatural. Like even regardless of something's nature, that doesn't make any point about there is no inherent point of we should do this because it's natural. We shouldn't do it because it's natural. You've just kind of brought in. Origin point that doesn't necessarily argue for the thing you're discussing. So, there's a
2: lot of bad stuff in nature,
0: yeah. Because, so like, death is natural. Should we go die? So like, there <laughs> you could do like arsenic, completely natural. Should we ingest it? Discuss, <laughs> like, there it
2: how dare you insult homeopathy?
0: Um, but just the argument that you can bring up that it's natural, it doesn't act, it's not, it's just a category of being or how something came into being in a way it's not really an argument for or against it so it's kind of taking the whole again it's moving off of the discussion or argument to kind of a tangential point that should be like yes you're correct and (laughs) that is natural (laughs) um but i find that that especially with um i don't know some Overly focused health things, it can be. Uh, that one comes up a lot, I find.
2: <laughs> so you're thinking specifically of like health and food type fields?
0: Yeah. and But I mean, like, for instance, um, if you had, like, you can make the art, like, it's typically done with like natural is good, unnatural is bad. If that was the case, then you should never seek out medical attention because you having a thing like a problem most of the time is going to be somewhat like let's say it is you could make an argument that that's natural and that trying to fix the thing is unnatural. Yeah. So if you had high blood pressure, well, you ate a bunch of natural salt over a long period of time and now you have (laughs) elevated blood pressure and then doing something. Like getting taking a medication that lowers your blood pressure is not really quite natural. So, like, you I, it's just that type of thing. Like, you can't make an argument from things being natural or not. You can't, it's not a correct argument. This one. Yeah.
2: I can see people trying to argue themselves out of this one a lot more than the others, even though I've had people do that with the others. But I, I can see this one being harder for people to accept as a fallacy. So I'm trying to think of how to work around that.
0: I understand what you're saying, but I think that's because people want something to fall back to, and it's easy in people's minds to say, like, this is natural. I should do this. This is unnatural. I should not do this.
2: Yeah. You gave a couple examples to help argue against it.
0: I'm just saying, like, in a formal argument, if you were, if you had people watching and you employed this, you would be, you would lose. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. What's really interesting is a lot of times if you look at older documents or writings, a lot of times you'll see arguments from nature that no longer sound like they are making assumptions about nature that we no longer hold. And it kind of helps illustrate how this argument doesn't work.
0: That could be a good point. Because
2: the the idea of what is natural has even changed over time.
0: Yeah. So that could be a good point too is that it natural is not a objective ideal that is set in stone for all time. Any thoughts, Dustin?
1: I do, but I don't actually want to share them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um it's <laughs> reasons. That's fine. It's a topic I don't particularly want to talk about on the show. But <laughs> and I was having similar thoughts about something.
0: That's okay. We yeah. can get um if you want to direct any hate mail about this one, it can go to feedback at betterworlds. Wait, what's the <laughs> That's it? At betterworlds.net. Okay. Um
2: Did I say betterworlds.com earlier? I don't know.
0: You might I don't have. know either. Um anyway, so that's where your hate mail can go. Um going into the <laughs> next one we wanna discuss
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining if instead of giving the podcast email you gave one of our personal email <laughs> accounts <laughs> send all email to yeah that would be um, funny
0: anyway so another one and now we're going to get into a fun i think those have all those all kind of fall into like a red herring status where you're trying to essentially do a non sequitur divert the argument away from this 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 next one is actually like a reasoning um failure that i see i do see this one happen a lot the official latin name of it is post hoc ergo propter hoc which i don't know latin well enough to tell you exactly what that means so i'm not going to try to butcher it but basically it's saying that this this th- certain thing happened another certain thing happened after it therefore the first thing caused the second thing so it's essentially a long pa- way to say The whole um, idea of correlation, the the fallacy is saying correlation implies causation. Correlation does not imply causation. But um, often people will say, like, I saw this thing happen and this other thing happened, so clearly they're related because one happened after the other, which there's no real—it's just an error in reasoning. There's no real way to— the connection of events in a lot of cases.
2: In a prior episode, Dustin used the example of if you blew out a candle and the solar eclipse happened at that very moment. Mm -hmm. Um, In that case, he was talking about quantum mechanics and about how um, the distance would make that clearly not related, but that could also be an example of this fallacy if if somebody did believe that blowing out the candle had caused the sun to go dark then that they would be using this fallacy right
0: yeah yeah no that'd be okay. correct you're correct in that that is incorrect <laughs> <laughs> um but i think this typically crops up when uh you see news stories and people correlate events between disparate news stories and make a connection between the two of them which it's not impossible that there is, but like when people are just saying like this happened and then this happened so clear, like, it, I don't know. I see like, I feel like flavors of this crop up quite a bit.
1: Is that kind of like, um, uh, any of the stories of millennials are ruining things?
0: Oh, you know, that's a good example.
1: Like millennials were born and then this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore millennials think- caused this to happen. I think there are certainly
2: fallacies involved in those articles, but I think it would be different. I don't think it would be this one because the usual error there is we can tell from this demographic data that people in this age bracket are not purchasing this thing at the levels we saw in previous generations. Therefore they are killing it. Um, And why do they, why do millennials hate diamonds? Why do millennials hate houses? And they're all ignoring The fact that the economy is different than it was um, and that people may be making different economic choices because of surrounding economic circumstances, not because they are millennials.
0: In a way, it's almost a version of an argument from nature. Like, naturally, people should be buying if in like the sense of an economic system being in its natural state, like people should be acting in this way. They're not acting in this way, therefore it is bad because they are not acting in the way we expect nature to be, or in a. I'm sure it, it's not exactly that, but it's. It could even be similar to that.
2: Sometimes it even goes into ad hominem territory when it's just like, well, millennials aren't buying houses, therefore they just want to sit around in their parents' basements.
0: Yeah, that's I have seen that where it does turn into. <laughs> No, actually,
2: they're, I mean, they're living in apartments more and yeah, some of them do have to live with their parents because anyway, that almost ventures into political territory. If we start talking about (laughs)
1: economics, (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you seen any articles where millennials are killing something, but the writer is using killing in the term of like, they're doing a really good job at this thing. Like they're killing it. No. Okay.
0: <laughs> Only millennial writers actually know.
1: <laughs> I've seen ads saying that
2: millennials are changing the way that wine is being sold, but...
0: I've seen that ad too. I've not it's, actually ever... It's
2: a... Yeah. It, for some reason, it's really common. It's everywhere. I've never clicked on it, so I don't know what it's about, but I don't know. That might be positive. They buy square bottles instead of round.
0: <laughs> no, it's always had more of the tone of like, better go get your wine. They're, they're going to like... Consume all the good wine or, like, change all the—it's almost like fear-mongering to get you to go buy wine.
2: <laughs> I assumed that it was trying to get people to order wine online. On wine. <laughs> Did I say on wine?
0: No, I just heard it as that because oh. of the <laughs> prompting from saying wine and not—anyway. La- um, so, yes, don't assume correlation between things just because they occurred semi-sequentially.
2: The post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy is often shortened to post hoc fallacy. Side note. I feel like this comes up a lot in economic stuff. um, Yeah. Because there are so many different factors in a society that it's, it's tough to tell what the exact cause and effect are.
0: And I guess we should put in a footnote. X and Y in this, like the thing that happened and the second thing that happened could very well be related but just the fallacies and just assuming a relation between them because they they are two things that happened and like you yeah it's just not a good reasoning anyway so moving on to another fallacy which i think this one's fun um in that it is named the mcnamara fallacy it's actually named after a um i wanted to say it was someone on like a was a defense secretary or something, Uh, a personage in the U.S. government who essentially took the U.S. into the Vietnam War, um, who was basically breaking it down and saying, like, the only things that matter are quantitative reasoning, like the numbers, the hard numbers on things. That's the only thing we need to base our decisions on. And it was per McNamara's um reasoning on like defense capability. No, it wasn't defense capability, but like offensive capabilities and like where the Vietnamese were at. That like we got in there because he's like only these numbers matter and the numbers say we will go in and crush them. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely not how it worked out. But um basically the fa- the fallacy is saying exactly that. Just like only just the facts, like these quantitative things are the only thing that matter. Like in a sense that makes sense, but at the same time, it's like disregarding so many other things at play that it is like doomed to failure.
1: Like it's an oversimplification of complex systems.
0: And this one I thought was specifically applicable because it is entirely how every business runs (laughs) in this. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, it's only the numbers that matter. They, well, not every bit, but like to some degree, most, I think profit for profit groups, and even to a degree, nonprofit groups operate on like, we need to focus on this set of numbers. And even though we can think of other things in the end, this is the thing that matters. Maybe I'm now getting at the heart of why there's something wrong with capitalism, but, (laughs) um, I kid, I kid, but,
2: you have seen this fallacy at work. If you have ever been, what am I trying to say? You have seen this fallacy at work. If you have ever been browsing the web and open a website and seen a giant modal display covering what you want to see, asking you to sign up for a mailing list, because that is a terrible experience, but it does increase mailing list signups. Um, at least in terms of any measurable metrics. Uh, It doesn't account for people getting annoyed or even closing the window because they just don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. But um, it is true that if you put a giant modal thing saying, sign up for a mailing list, you'll get more than if you don't. But also people will be miserable.
0: Um, Similarly to that, the fallacy of focusing too much on numbers is exactly why microtransactions are in most games (laughs) because they determine that people will pay money for things in microtransactions and they are chasing that quantitative measurement
2: so they make games worse and less fun but more profitable at the same time
0: i think people are now going to look at this and say like why is this a fallacy it's working for them (laughs) um
2: it's just a bad way to make a decision is that the idea
0: yeah, it's, okay. you're you're not going to breach a good, yeah, it is a bad way to make a decision. That's a good way to say it.
2: So it's not, I guess it's not necessarily something that would come up in a, a discussion or an argument the same way the others would, unless the discussion no. or argument was about what decision should be made.
0: Yeah, like if someone was saying, we should do this because this set of numbers. Right. Unless it's like, the oxygen is draining out of the room, we need to plug the hole because we will be dead in this many minutes. Like, that's a good decision. But that, when it would be like making an argument, we have to do this for our organization because this set of figures, and that's all that matters, we can't think of anything else, that's the error in reasoning.
1: So this is like a, the numbers don't lie argument?
0: Yeah, kind of. It's almost like there. there's a... I think a larger set of fallacies where you're trying to say like, well, objectively this set of things is the important thing. And it's kind of like saying, it's almost like trying to say that like you're discounting all other data just to focus on the one thing you want to. And in this case you're saying like, well, we should only focus on these numbers. Like that's,
1: mm, I see.
0: Not to say that, that again, those aren't an important part of the fat, the decision-making process. It's just, don't ignore everything else. Yeah. Um, anyone, do we have any other thoughts on that? Nope. Okay. And so then I will bring us to our final fallacy to discuss, which isn't one that um, is going to come up in conversation a lot, but I thought was an important end one to end on. The argument from fallacy, which is essentially just because there is fallacious reasoning in an argument does not in fact mean that it's wrong, (laughs) which I thought was just a amusing way to end this. Like people could still end up at a correct conclusion through a faulty reasoning process is the idea behind it. So if you've ever, yeah, like there are times you could find yourself agreeing with someone with whom you normally disagree and the processes by which you got to that are very different but you're at the same conclusion. Um, so anyway, just the fallacy is saying that just because someone else is employing a fallacy doesn't necessarily mean that the conclusion they got to is wrong.
2: Right. It just means I they like are, never mind
0: er, They're reasoning incorrectly to get there.
2: Right. I was going to say, it means that they are making their argument poorly, even if they're actually right, but you're talking about arriving at the conclusion. I'm talking about them defending the conclusion. Yes. <laughs> Shrug. <laughs> it's especially frustrating when somebody actually agrees with you and you see them using fallacies to defend <laughs> the thing that you think they're right about, but they're doing a very poor job defending it.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find an example. <laughs> um,. And that, I think, almost gets into more of it. We're extrapolating a general principle. I think that's closer to an... Uh, we're not going too deep into a lot of the formal logical fallacy stuff just because that there's a ton of it. <laughs> and it can get very focused on the P's and Q's of everything. So it's, it's very easy. If you wanted to go read more about it, you could. And hopefully our discussion interest you a little more in that. But um I think this almost applies to formal arguments such as you would find in discussions on logic. Much less in but I thought it was a good reminder that you know you can be arguing with someone and end up at the same conclusion. Um, but they didn't necessarily But they like Trevor said, might be employing a fallacy to get to their conclusion. So like a good thing would be Maybe it's like the argument from nature. You could, someone could be saying like, and that's why we should eat carrots. They aren't wrong. You probably should eat carrots, but that's not a good art. That's not the argument you should make for it. The end. Well, I think that's probably, that is the, is that the end of, anyone else have any other things they wanted to say about logical fallacies?
2: If you ever want to lose a week, just look up logical fallacies on Wikipedia and start following links <laughs> when you see something you want to know more about. There are a lot of them. Oh, list of logical fallacies. That's a good place to start.
0: Okay. I'll
2: put that link in the show notes, which again can be found at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 21.
0: And if you do indeed spend a week reading about this and are an individual who can grow a crazy beard within a week from doing nothing but reading about logical fallacies, please send us a photo of this. It would amuse us. <laughs> a fallacy beard? Um, I guess it could be a fallacious beard. <laughs> I was just imagining someone sitting there reading about it for a week, not shaving, not conducting any form. Maybe I don't want a picture of this. Never mind. I think it'd be impressive if someone had a beard from pursuing knowledge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's happened <laughs> before. Well, you want me to wrap it up?
0: <laughs> yes, go ahead.
2: Okay, I have told you where to find the show notes. Our website is, of course, at betterworlds.net. We're on Twitter at betterworldsnet. Um, you can email us at feedback at betterworlds.net. We also have a Slack group with ongoing discussion about various things either related to or like the things that we talk about on the show. We would love to have you join the conversation there. If you want to join the Slack group, just email us at feedback at betterworlds.net and we'll shoot you an invitation. They, There are phone apps and a Mac app and web app and various things. So it's just kind of a, a chat group that you can talk to. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is an app for audiobooks. Audiobooks are fun to listen to if you want to read more books, but you don't necessarily have time to sit down with books. If you go to audibletrial.com slash betterworlds, you can get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. This is definitely worth doing because books are fun and good and you can learn things. Um, have I covered everything?
1: I think so. I believe so. Okay. Do you have
2: a recommendation? Um, I am about to listen to A Wrinkle in Time. I haven't hmm. started it yet. Um,
0: I guess you I, I
2: actually it? listened to it before a long time ago I don't know if this is the same reader or not because this was many years ago I listened to the first book and I want to listen to the full series now so I'm starting back at the beginning and I remember liking the first book so I guess I can recommend it
0: just keep in mind that it's a um, I don't know like at a, written to be accessible like maybe a 6th grade level I've seen oh, people complain I, know. I
2: think that's so. when I listened to it Okay. I think I was in about 6th grade
0: I just had heard people complain about like, oh, it's really a little simply written. And it's like, yes, it's aimed not an adult audience.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But you're right. It is good to know what one is reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you read the whole series or any of them?
0: Just a Wrinkle in Time. Okay. I should read more, though. Wait, did I read more?
2: I remember reading like a page of the fourth book and seeing that there were unicorns in it, which is exciting news. So looking forward to that, but that's four books away for me. So it'll be a little while. Anyway, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Go then.